Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Good morning. So we did have a wedding here yesterday, and so that's why the seats look like they do, a little more traditional. Don't worry, they'll be back by Sunday. Some of you were like, Tim, what happened to the seats? And you're the very people who said when we switched them up four or five months ago, Tim, what happened to the seats? It's okay. Change is good, right? Sometimes. Yeah, I knew somebody was going to say it. All right, so turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We can be thankful that God's word never changes, amen? And, uh, and so it's good and right to study God's word uh, to help us understand who we are, who he is, and uh, the choices we should make. So 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at the first nine verses today. Uh, we continue, we're continuing our series of messages that will help us with the choices we make. Every choice matters. Every choice matters. And so we want to make good, godly choices as we walk through our lives. So far we've looked at the following choices. Will we choose to refuse to stay behind so that we can experience the great adventure that Jesus has for us? That's choice number one. Choice number two, will we choose the truth, which is Jesus and his word, so we can be set free? Choice number three, will we choose God's desires over our own desires? And choice number four, will we choose to live by faith or to live in fear? So we've talked about those four choices so far. Today, uh, our choice is this. Will we choose to bring the kingdom of God to this world? Will we choose to bring the kingdom of God to this world? Now, the, the counter choice, and I'm really not going to talk about it today, but the counter choice is, will we choose to bring the world into the kingdom of God? Well, we won't talk about that today. Just will we choose to bring the kingdom of God into this world? So when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. It was probably his most comprehensive uh, discussion sermon about how to live as a follower of of Jesus. Uh, He said this as part of his sermon in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus encourages us, he encourages followers to call out to God and ask God that God's kingdom would come on this earth, in this world, as it is in heaven. Can we agree with that prayer? Do we want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? What a different place it would be. What a different place. different stories on the cable news networks if God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in another sermon Jesus gave, it was a much shorter sermon, it was one sentence long. How many of you long for the day when the sermon is one sentence long? I'll do that someday and then you'll be like, Tim, what happened? 
But this is what Jesus said, Matthew 4, 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was referring to his presence. So wherever Jesus is, there also is the kingdom of God. So followers of Jesus are part of the kingdom of God, and we are able to bring the kingdom of God with us wherever we go, if we choose to. If we choose to. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God wants us to be the answer to our prayer. He wants us to bring the kingdom of God to this world by the way we live as his followers. He wants us to be the answer to our prayer. We get to bring the kingdom of God to this world if we choose to. A few weeks ago, our bunny Rudy, I call him Stu, You can ask me later why I call him Stu. It's not because I don't love our rabbit. So anyway, our, <laughs> our rabbit was sick. And so Betsy took the rabbit to the vet. First time we'd ever taken the rabbit to the vet uh, in, in nine years. And she took the rabbit to the vet. And the vet is, is um, looking at Rudy, figures out what's wrong with her. And then says, um, how old is Rudy? And Betsy says, nine years old. And he goes, nine years old? These kind of rabbits, female, these kind of female rabbits only live five years. What is your secret? And she said, well, this, you know, we don't do very much. He, he lives in the basement, or she, I always call him a he, Rudy, he. But anyway, uh, when we named him, we didn't, when we named her, we didn't know she was a she. All right, you get all that. So anyway, so she says, well, you know, he's, she stays in the basement. Uh, we built this pen six feet by six feet, and, you know, she just runs around in here and goes, that's it. That's why you gave her lots of room to exercise. When the kids gave us the rabbit, actually say they gave Betsy the rabbit, on Christmas Day 2009, I was not happy. <laughs> the, the, the kids said, okay, it's mom's turn to get her gift. Mom, close your eyes. And then they said, dad, you better close your eyes too. I'm like, I closed my eyes and I know this is totally true. I said, it better not be an animal. No. I remember. I said, it better not be... <laughs> An animal, and then there was silence, and I said, oh, it's an animal. I said, well, it better not be a puppy. And they're like, oh, good. So we open our eyes, and Betsy has this rabbit in her, this little bunny in her arms. She's just like, oh, crying. A rabbit, it's so wonderful. And I had to make a decision at that moment. My amazing wife loved the rabbit, and so I had to choose. Am I going to love this rabbit or not? <laughs> and then I realized that I couldn't love the rat, like pretend to love the rabbit, like 
Like, I have to run the, love the rabbit because I love my wife. She'd see right through that. So I had to make a decision. I realized I get to love the rabbit. <laughs> and so my attitude shifted from I have to love the rabbit to I get to love the rabbit. But it could only shift if I stopped thinking about myself and thought about my wife and my kids and the rabbit. And so I didn't have to love the rabbit. I got to love the rabbit. And so I thought, well, I love the rabbit, so I'm going to build the rabbit this deluxe playpen, six feet by six feet in the basement. And every choice matters. Our rabbit has lived twice as long as it should have because I get to love the rabbit. I get to love the rabbit. When I talked about this rabbit story in January of 2010 and talked about getting to love the rabbit, there was something that shifted in our church family. And you'll hear it if you're around here long enough. People say, oh, I don't have to, I get to. And we say that sometimes as a reminder, like, I feel like I have to, but I realize that that's a bad attitude. I get to. And so today, let's do an attitude check. Do we have to or do we get to? Our choice to bring the kingdom of God to this world begins with our attitude. Do we have to do it? Or do we get to do it? Do we get to bring the kingdom of God into this world? So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Peter tells us two important choices that God has made concerning his followers that should shift us from have to to get to. Uh, before we go there, let's talk just briefly about the author of this letter, 1 Peter. Well, it's written by... Peter. And Peter was close to Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus. He saw everything Jesus did. He heard everything Jesus had to say. He saw all the miracles. Uh, but Peter was a regular guy, too. He was married. He had a job. He was impulsive, competitive, and he had a temper. He even cut a guy's ear off one time. Okay, so Peter was a regular guy. Well, the ear part's a little irregular, I guess. But also, as this regular guy, from time to time, he struggled with his faith. Even though he had been with Jesus and seen it all, he still struggled with his faith. On the night that Jesus was on trial and he was being betrayed, Peter even denied that he even knew him. Peter struggled from time to time with his faith. So I think we can relate to Peter. Regular people who from time to time struggle in their faith. So 1 Peter chapter 1, let me begin with verse 1. And I want to read both the English Standard Version and the New International Version. They complement each other. So uh, ESV, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So that's the English Standard Version. The NIV says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers, 
So NIV says strangers instead of exiles in the world scattered. So the dispersion, they were scattered scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So in verse 1, Peter tells us that followers of Jesus have been chosen. We're God's elect. God picks us. He chooses us. Do you remember those days on the playground you hoped you weren't chosen last? I always felt sorry for that guy that was always chosen last. And the really cool kids would cho- choose him before he would be last. And then somebody else could feel bad, but he didn't always get picked last. But we're chosen by God. John 15, verse 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you, you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He may give it to you. So as God's elect, we're exiles. We're chosen, we're elect, and we're exiles or strangers in this world. The world is not supposed to be our home. We're strangers in this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're only here to bring the kingdom of God to the world as ambassadors so that others can connect with Jesus. How many of you, when you go to a hotel, you unpack all your clothes and put them in the dressers? Anybody do that? A few of you? Okay, how many of you bring pictures and um, you bring pictures along and you set up pictures? Anybody do that? How many of you, like when you get in your hotel room, you bring a can of paint and you paint the room and you redecorate? Redecorate, Joe, okay, because you're the paint guy. Right? We don't do that, right? Because it's not our home. If, you, if we view the world as our home, we'll be consumed by it. And we'll never experience the fullness of the joy that a life in Christ can bring. Because we're trying to make the world our home. When Peter wrote the letter, the Roman government required everyone to declare Caesar is Lord. Rome is our home and Caesar is the Lord. But these strange, scattered, elect exiles didn't say Caesar is Lord and Rome is our home. They said Jesus is our Lord and the kingdom of God is our home. So Peter was writing to the elect, the chosen, the strangers, and the scattered. They were scattered about the Roman Empire. And to this day, followers in Christ are scattered all over the world. We're going to visit a couple of them, as Michael uh, shared. We're going to go visit a couple of them scattered really far away. And sometimes circumstances scatters us, sometimes persecution scatters us, but at the root of it all, it's the Lord who does the scattering. One of, well, I don't know if it, I'm allowed to say this, but one of my all-time favorite scriptures is Acts 17, verse 26 and 27. 
And he, God, made from one man, meaning Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And it says, God, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. We've been scattered by God. We are in the time period and the place that God intends for us to be in. He has decided that we are to be here at this time. So what is our attitude like that about? Do we say, thank you, Lord, I get to live in Northeast Ohio? And knowing most of you, most of you are like, amen, I love Northeast Ohio. Some of you are like, I'd like to live somewhere else. But God has put you here so that others can come to know him. So we've been chosen by God. We're his elect. We are to be strangers in this world, and he has put us in this place. He has scattered believers all over the world so his plan can come to be, and his kingdom can come to this world. So God has chosen us. We get to be in his family. That's an awesome truth. We are chosen to be in his family. A second choice God makes concerning his followers is that he chooses us for kingdom work. Verse 2, the ESV version, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace, grace and peace be multiplied. And the NIV version, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So first, followers of Jesus have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now when you think about that verse, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, for all of us, we didn't even exist yet when Jesus went to the cross. But while we were still sinners, the foreknowledge of God, Christ died for us. And second, followers of Jesus are chosen in and through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And this work of the Holy Spirit is progressive. More and more we become like Jesus as the Holy Spirit works in us. Third, followers of Jesus are chosen by God God by, by the shedding of Jesus' blood. Communion. His body was broken, his blood was shed. Jesus paid the price for our sin so that we could choose so he could choose for us to be in his family and to do his work. And so that leads to be obedient to Jesus Christ. God has chosen us for kingdom work. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Tomorrow the Cleveland Indians play the Houston Astros. Game three, uh, if Cleveland loses, they're done. I didn't know that till this morning when I looked it up. 
But some of you follow baseball, and that's good. Some of you follow football. That's fine. Awesome. But here's my point. When the players wake up tomorrow, when the Indians and the Astros wake up tomorrow, none of them are going to say to themselves, I can't believe I have to play baseball today. What was I thinking when I signed that multi-million dollar contract with the Cleveland Indians? As followers of Jesus, we should wake up in the morning like, I get to be in the family of God. I get to be a follower of Christ. I get to do his kingdom work. Because you have way more than a multi-million dollar contract, don't you? You have a contract that lasts forever. Can you imagine if you got Social Security forever, how much that would be worth? Our kingdom is eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. And we get to, we get to uh, be in that kingdom. So as followers of Jesus, we get to be his family and join him in his kingdom work. We get to love God, to love others, to share God's truth with others. We get to love with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We get to bring his kingdom into the world if we choose to. So these two choices that God has made to invite us into his family and to invite us into his work, does that motivate us? Does that motivate us? Does does that motivate us? Amen. Yes, I, I know you guys. I know it motivates you. You wake up in the morning and it's like, God, I want to serve you. I want to show your love to the people around me. That's bringing the kingdom of God into the world. How did, when, when Peter wrote this letter, how did those people, the elected, uh, scattered, strange followers of Jesus from Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, how did they bring the kingdom of God into the world? So let's read verse 3 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold and perish, that perishes though it is tested by fire, So the genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a lot. That is awesome stuff. So how did they bring the kingdom of God into the world? Peter tells us a little bit. He says they understood what God had done for them, and so they rejoiced. 
They understood that God had shown them mercy. Jesus paid the price for their sins. They didn't get what they deserved. They were given a new birth into a living hope, which is eternal life. They had received an inheritance, which is the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God. And their lives were shielded by God's power. Nothing could stop the great adventure that God had for them. This shield was in place until the day that they went to be with him. And they understood what Jesus had done for them. And so they trusted him and they rejoiced in him. Jesus has done all those things for us as well as followers of Christ. If we understand what he has done, that leads us to rejoice. That leads us to rejoice. And so these people, they were rejoicing, and they were rejoicing even in the midst of their trials. They understood that they had been chosen by God, adopted into his family, given a magnificent and eternal inheritance. And God had called them to join him in his work. And so they rejoiced, even in the midst of their trials. In fact, it was in their trials that their faith was proven genuine. And their genuine faith is what changed the world. Verse 7 says that their genuine faith in the midst of their trials resulted in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was in their trials that their faith would bring praise and glory and honor to Jesus. So as the chosen, they lived out their genuine faith and they rejoiced through their trials. And as they did that, others were connected to Jesus. This church family is a living example of that of the genuine faith of followers of Christ who had brought the kingdom of God into this world. The genuine faith of those believers back when Peter wrote this letter cascaded into the future to this day among this church family. We give Jesus praise and honor and glory because of the genuine faith of others who have gone before us. They brought the kingdom of God into this world. And we are the beneficiaries of that. So how do we bring the kingdom of God into this world? Well, we do the same. We remember that we are chosen by God to be part of his family and part of his kingdom. Peter writes that our salvation, our relationship with Jesus that leads to eternal life, causes us to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now glory, what is God's glory? It refers to the heaviness of the presence of God. So when you are experiencing the glory of God, you, you experience the heaviness of his presence. And so in trials, there's grief. There's a heaviness about our grief. You know, very vulnerably, Justin and Sammy shared about the loss in their family. There's grief in their family. There's a heaviness. 
But God's glory is a heaviness as well. And so when our grief, when there's a heaviness, when there's a grief in our lives, but we remember that we are chosen, God's glory will be heavier. It doesn't dismiss or push out the grief, but it helps us focus on the one who will bring healing and who will lead us through our grief. So does the heaviness of God's love and his grace and his mercy and his peace and his presence outweigh the heaviness of the grief in our lives? If we remember we've been chosen, it will. In our trials, we can rejoice because we are chosen. And so as we face trials, people watch us. When they see us rejoice in our relationship with Jesus, even in the trials, they'll want to know why. Has anybody asked you a question like that? How, how can you get through this? Or how can you deal with this? Or those kind of questions, I see some heads nodding. And we know the answer. It's not us, it's the Lord at work in us. And so they're watching, and when they see our genuine faith, they want what we have. They're drawn to that genuine faith, and they respond to God's offer of grace and forgiveness and eternal life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes this. He says, keep your conduct among the, among the Gentiles, in other words, among those that don't believe in Jesus, keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, in other words, when, when they're treating you badly, they may still see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're chosen to be in God's family. We're chosen to be involved in his work, in his kingdom work. We get to have lives that draw others to Jesus through genuine faith in him. We get to bring the kingdom of God into this world, into our families and our workplaces, our communities and our schools, if we choose to do that. We get to bring the kingdom of God into the world if we choose to. And so, what is our attitude? Do we have to live for Jesus, or do we get to live for Jesus? Let's pray. So, Lord, I want to first ask you to meet all of those in this room who are experiencing grief of some kind, personal or in their family or uh, in the circles that they travel in, that you would just meet them where they're at and they would experience the heaviness of your presence. They would experience your glory that would outweigh their grief, not to erase their grief, but to help them uh, walk through their grief with you. And Lord, I also want to pray that 
you would just give us a new desire and a new boldness to bring your kingdom to this world. Lord, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, that we would be the answer to that prayer as you work in us and through us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now. And for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.